I truly am so expectant in my heart for what the Lord is going to continue to do. And of course, I'm so grateful for all that he has done. You need to uh, rewind or rewind. And you need to go back to the messages and the words that were given. And I, I'm telling you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go back. And I, I just don't think I received everything. I don't, I don't think you, I don't think anybody received everything. There was so much. The word of God is alive. You ever opened your Bible and went and read over a same passage, or maybe you went back and you heard Pastor Meyer or Sister Amy on recording or podcast or YouTube, and you 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 tell yourself when you read that text or when you hear that line in the message, I know they didn't say that the first time. I know I've never seen this verse in the Bible, but the Word of God is alive, and as we change and evolve and go through life. The word applies to each scenario and step. And so it is that every wins conference gets better and better. Is it because all the preachers are better each year than the preachers before? No, that'd be a lot of pressure. But the word that went forth last wins was for that moment. And the word that went forth this wins was for this moment. It's alive. It's applicable. So I'm so grateful, so grateful for your pastor and wife. How many of you love the Myers family, Bishop Myers, his wife, Pastor Myers, Sister Amy, Luke and Gregory and Sophia. I love all of them so very much. And I give honor to them. I give honor to those that have been so kind to me this week and helped. I give honor to the Goldens and the Richies and uh, different men and women just behind the scenes, visibly and invisibly. They've just worked so hard. And I salute you as a church body. And as a church body, would you, would you give yourselves, your brothers and your sisters, a hand clap of appreciation? You deserve it. God has blessed you. And what an honor it is to be a part of this church family. And I'm just going to go ahead and claim you. I've been here enough. So if you don't claim me, I claim you. So it's a hostage situation. So I'm claiming you whether you like it or not. Nothing you can do about it. And uh, so I'm so grateful to have been able to stay over. And I'm grateful that uh, Barrett and Colton got to stay over. And so Denver is in the house. And I'm grateful for my armor bearer this morning, Cooper. And I appreciate his help. I want to go to the word of the Lord, 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 13. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 13. Hemi, you're going to help me preach this morning. I feel like I have a word. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 13 says, And the servants of Naaman came near and spake unto him and said, my father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much rather then when he said unto thee, wash and you will be clean. So Naaman decided to go down and he dipped himself seven times in the muddy Jordan River, according to what the man of God had said. And his flesh came again 
like the flesh of a little child, and he was cleansed. So it was that he returned to the man of God and all his company, and he came and he stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all of the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take something from me. Allow me to give you a monetary blessing. So it was that the prophet responded back as the Lord liveth before whom I stand. I I will not receive anything. And he urged him to take it, but the prophet refused. So then Naaman countered with a peculiar request. Verse 17, Naaman said, well, shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to me, thy servant, two mules overladen, with earth. If you won't receive something of me, then I, I'm going to ask something of you. I would like two mules burden of earth. I would like two mules loaded down with dirt. For thy servant will henceforth offer burnt offerings or sacrifice unto the other gods, but only to the true living God from this time onward. By the help of Jesus, I want to preach to you for the next few moments on this simple subject. Deliverance with a side of dirt. Deliverance with a side of dirt. Would you lift up your hands and would you pray with me all across this sanctuary? Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your people that have come together on your day to celebrate you, to worship you, but we've also come to hear from you. Let my mouth be your megaphone today. Speak a clear word, a sure word to a child of God in this sanctuary. Thank you. Thank you once again, Lord, for what you're going to do in the next few moments. I've come with faith today. I've come with expectancy. I've come with belief and boldness. And I praise you for it in advance, God, in Jesus' name. Can we just love him for just a minute? Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Why don't you clap your hands to that great God? Come on, if you were just going through protocol, you don't got to clap. But if you know that he heard you and you know that he's going to answer, I want you to clap your hands just a little louder, just a little longer in the house today. Turn to your neighbor and tell them deliverance with a side of dirt. Now turn to the other neighbor, the one you just rejected. Tell them deliverance with a side of dirt. You can be seated. Naaman was a powerful man. Naaman was a military man. Naaman was a general Naaman was of the elite that would go into battle. Naaman knew what it was like to enter warfare. But Naaman also knew what it was like to leave victorious. It appears that he really seems to be a stranger to loss. And he seems to be a friend to victory. Because there has been no adversary. There has been no enemy 
that he has not conquered, has not plundered, has not overcome. Naaman is brave. He knows what it means to enter into the skirmish. He knows what it means to step over bodies. He knows what it means to be surrounded by bloodshed and yet to emerge the victor. And yet the Bible tells us that leprosy strikes Naaman. It is a disease that is deadly. It is a disease that ravages the body, killing you slowly but surely. It is a disease in which when you are diagnosed, they perform your funeral before you die. You are cast out from society and now you are under mandate to verbally announce to anyone who would ever try to get close to you, unclean, unclean, unclean. Until it is no longer a statement from your lips, it is a stigma hovering over your spirit. And so it is that publicly, Naaman is still winning. But privately, he is going home to a losing battle. And I preach to real people on a Sunday morning who knows what it feels like to walk into the house of God dressed in your Sunday best, but going through your very worst. To everybody else, Naaman is still Naaman the conqueror. He is still Naaman the general, Naaman the feared, Naaman the brave. But when he goes back home and the cloak comes off and the cape comes off and the sword is placed on the shelf, everything in Naaman's life is showing lack. Leprosy would take from you piece by piece. A piece of an ear, a piece of your body, perhaps a finger next, a toe. As little by little, you would become incomplete. And so it is that while Naaman is in his house, there is a slave girl who notices his precarious position. She is in a foreign context. She is away from her family. She is estranged from her house. She is in captivity. She is a hostage. And yet she opens up her mouth and declares to Naaman, there is a prophet in Israel. And there is a God in Israel telling you and I on a Sunday morning that even though she was locked up, her faith was not locked up. And even though she was enslaved by humanity, no one or nothing could enslave her faith in a higher heavenly power. 
Can I stop and pause and preach to a mother, a father, a CEO? Can I preach to a veteran believer who seems to be bound by circumstances, elements out of your control? The Bible says the word of God is not That's why the Apostle Paul could be enslaved behind bars and yet write rhema word after rhema word that will loose the captive because what is inside of you cannot be bound up, chained up, locked up. The people of God throughout history have been enslaved and yet no one has ever been able to enslave the God of that people. So it is. She emerges forth with the testimony. She still has her relationship with God. You think our culture is foreign. You think our classrooms are foreign. You think what we are having to navigate is foreign. You think the wickedness and the vileness is foreign. She is living in a foreign context, away from the people that love her God, away from the traditions, away from the convenience. And yet something is still bubbling over in her life. Something is still rippling in her spirit until it overflows and says, I have a God and I know a prophet. And what you think is impossible is not impossible with him. So it is that Naaman is elite. Naaman is powerful. So the king begins to write to the king of Israel on his behalf. He sends a letter letting him know, I'm sending you one of my most prolific, prestigious men. He is dying of an incurable disease. But I have heard that somebody in your land can heal him. And I have heard that there is an answer in your zip code among you. I'm sending Naaman to you with a disease and you are going to send him back healed. I want you to notice the response of royalty. Panic. Panic. Panic is the response of royalty. The king gathers his counselors. He says, I know what is happening. This is a sinister plot. My adversary is sending me a dilemma that I cannot handle. Royalty is met with impossibility. And royalty does not know what to do. And so it is that even now, our answer does not lie in politics. Our answer does not lie in D.C. Our answer does not lie in Hollywood. Our answer does not lie in the United Nations. Our Our answer does not lie in a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or an Independent. Earthly means can bring reformation. 
earthly means can bring reformation, but only a heavenly power can bring transformation. We've got to lift our eyes from the political scene. We've got to lift our eyes from CNN and Fox News. And we've got to call to a higher power. So it is that the king says, I don't have the answer, but I'm going to deflect. And I'm going to point you to somebody else. This is the prophet's problem. This is, this is, this is, this has got to go to the man of God. Prophet, you're going to deal with this. And so it is that Naaman comes with his entourage. He comes he comes with his servants. He comes with the secret service. I see them following the camels. They got their black suits and their black Ray-Bans and their black earbuds. Naaman is coming to the neighborhood. I don't know if you realize, but Naaman is big, bad, and bougie. Naaman is a big deal. Naaman strikes fear in the heart of people that he have he has decimated he is he is the rumor among town he is the substance of legend among young boys that want to one day grow up and be a soldier and yet when he comes to the prophet he sends out his servant servant greets Naaman and he said we're so glad you're here at East Wind. God bless you. The prophet told me to tell you to go dip in the muddy Jordan. We hope you have a blessed week. See you next Sunday. No, fam. No, no, no. That's not what you tell Naaman. Naaman has just been told to go dip in the muddy Jordan. And Naaman is about to pack up everything and go all the way back home. Forget tipping the Uber. This has been a one-star trip. Never coming back. But the Bible says that one of the servants come to Naaman. You're going to notice a pattern. See, I, I, I would love to tell you that my life has been a linear, perfect line from point A to point B. I went from dilemma to deliverance, just like that. But that's not reality. The reality is that every answer, every deliverance, Every breakthrough I have made it to, I have zigzagged to. I, I, I went to WINS conference and then I got discouraged, but then I went to prayer meeting and I was provoked to get back on the path. But then I got distracted and then I got a text from somebody in the church and I got provoked back to the path and and... 
Naaman has people in his life that are provoking him to good works. And so it is that a servant says, My father, he's speaking humbly. He says, If the prophet would have asked you to do a great thing, you would have done it. But you are about to miss your divine intervention because of a small thing. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in it. We have witnessed it, experienced it, and seen it this week and will continue to. But you cannot limit the supernatural to the spectacular. Because God moves in the minutia of everyday life. He, 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 he moves in the mundane of a Monday. And just because it is not spectacular does not make it any less supernatural. Not everything supernatural is instantaneous. Sometimes it involves a process. But it is no less miraculous. The Bible says that he speaks to us in a still, small voice. There was a time when he spoke that he was not in the thunder, he was not in the lightning, he was not in the whirlwind. whirlwind. He spoke in a small, still voice. I'm convinced the voice of God is not so far that we can't hear it. I think it's so close that we miss it. How many times have I relegated God and demanded him to manifest himself in a way that I wanted him to. What do you mean? Well, I'll just confess to you. There's been times that God nudged me and God, 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 God spoke in that still small voice. And, and you know what I did? I said, no, no, that ain't it. Um, I need three prophets to say the same thing. I need five angels to brush me with their wings. And I need a scroll to unravel from heaven with detail after detail. And then I hear stories of of God giving people overseas or or giving prodigals dreams and visitations. And I say, God, that's what I want. I'm not going to budge until you speak to me that way every time. I was saying he doesn't do it. But God has this really unique thing. He thinks he's God. And God is really good at being God. He's never read a book called Being a God for Dummies. He's never had to Google and prep and refresh on how to be God. God reserves the right to not make sense. God has the luxury to not make sense because God makes miracles and miracles don't always make sense. I want to stop and just have a teaching moment for a moment because I really did. I asked the Lord and uh, the Lord just prompted me. He said, when, when, when 
Did, did your parents have to lift their voice and yell at you and scream at you when growing up? I said, well, that's easy because it happened a lot. No, I'm teasing. Maybe not. I said, well, it was normally when I wasn't listening or when I was far away. It was like the Lord impressed me. The reason I'm speaking to this prodigal in this way and the reason I'm dealing with this individual in this way is because they are not hearing and they are far from me. But, but if you're sitting close to a friend, if you're sitting close to a spouse, they don't have to yell at you. All they've got to do is lean over and whisper. And because of proximity, you hear them. And because of relationship, you obey. Do not relegate God to the seismic and the spectacular. God can speak in the still, small voice. And he reveals his secrets to those that are close to him. I, 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 maybe this does. Am I making sense? I just want to speak to someone that says, well, I, I, don't, I don't know why God won't reveal himself in this way. And I don't know why God won't speak to me in this way. What if he wants to share his secret, but he cannot share the secret in that still small voice until you are close to him? I don't want to miss what God is about to do because of a small thing. And that servant looked at Naaman and called out his pseudo-spirituality and said, if it was a grandiose thing, you would have done it. But because it is a small thing, you are about to miss it. Somebody say, I don't want to miss it. So it is. He's poked and prodded and provoked back into alignment with his path. And so it is that he comes, he comes to the mighty Jordan River. Doesn't have any Yelp reviews. It's pretty trashy. So it is that he looks down and he cannot even see his reflection among the murk and the junk. And now it is this muddy, murky, gross river that he has to descend into. And so I, I see the man who has battle scars. I see the man who has dried blood on his sword, barely able to dip his toe into the muddy Jordan. Come on, Naaman. You can do this. I don't, I don't know if I can. Naaman, I know you can do this. Okay, I, I'm good. I can't. I can't. No, I can do this. I ain't doing this, family. I ain't doing this. But I just did it. You did it one time, Naaman. Six more times to go. Yay, you. 
Okay. Okay. All right, guys. Okay. All right. Somebody hold my nose. Hold your own nose, Naaman. Okay. All right. Somebody sing happy thoughts or something. Okay, I can do this. Some of y'all acting like y'all would have done this. Y'all would not have done this. You would have had one wafting aroma of that river and said, I'll keep my leprosy, thank you very much. I would die before I step into that. So now he's, he's, he's dipped two times. Okay, one more time. Oh, man, this is rough. Come on, Naaman, you got this. Naaman, you got this. Naaman, you don't got this. Naaman, you got this. Naaman, you don't got this. Naaman, let's take a vote. Let's take a vote between me, myself, and I. It's unanimous. We don't got this. Naaman, you've done it twice. You're already in the muddy river. Okay, I, I hear you. I hear you. I've done it three times. I'm, I'm halfway there. Some of y'all didn't pass, pass. Some of y'all didn't pass math class. So he's done it once. He's done it twice. He's done it three times. Four. Five. If I pass out, y'all are going to know I went too far with this illustration. Why didn't I make Cooper do this? How many times have we done it? I think we've done it seven. Five. Wow, you guys are so smart. All of you passed algebra. <sighs> Thank you. Had me real worried. And now he has done more than he hasn't done. But he's not done everything. And the sixth dip is the epitome of North American Christianity. I've done more than you. I've done more than my former self. But if I've not done what the word of the Lord requires, I have not done enough. Not what a dogma requires. Not what religiosity requires. Not what family tradition requires. If I have not done what the word of God requires, I have not done enough. Is, is this okay? Can I preach just a few more minutes? What do you do when your life experience does not match the word of God. 
you shrink the word of God to your experience. No. You raise your experience to the word of God. That's why it says his ways are higher than our ways. But I've dipped six times, but you still have leprosy. Okay. I can do this. I got this. Naaman goes down. For the seventh time. And the Bible says that when he emerges the seventh time, His skin is as the skin of a child and his flesh resembles that of a baby because fresh beginnings always begin at full obedience. The leprosy that had taken pieces of his life. The, the leprosy that had taken pieces of his body. The leprosy that had ravished him, leaving him incomplete. It's now been removed. And I believe that every part of him that was missing has now been restored. Because when you are baptized in the Spirit and you are baptized in the name of Jesus, the old man is left and you arise in the newness of Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become, have become. Maybe it doesn't happen in one altar call. Maybe it doesn't happen in one service. Maybe it doesn't happen in one service. One service, one sermon, one conference. But all things become, become, Become new. Somebody clap your hands. If you know what the newness of life feels like. If you've ever had the Lord give you a fresh start. Somebody else can clap. Somebody else can rejoice. I'm just thankful on a Sunday morning that he washed my sins away. My past is not held against me. I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected. I'm being sanctified and justified. He's making me to become new. And so name it. Naaman doesn't have to hide under the armor. Naaman, one, 
who didn't just have a physical condition, but a spiritual condition has now been made new. Not all disease shows on the surface. Some diseases are internal, causing you to step into a spiritual atmosphere and miss what God is going to do because of a small thing that your pride will not get over. And so it is that when Naaman is looking at that fresh skin, he's looking had a complete renewed self. I don't think he looks back at the muddy River Jordan and says, deuces fam, I'm out, gone. Never do that again. I think within himself, he said, I would dip 70 times. I would dip 70 times 70. I would dip a hundred times, a thousand times just to know what I know now and to feel what I feel now. You know, I've taken a survey and a poll of those that have asked the Lord to forgive them and those that have been baptized in the name of Jesus and those that have been filled with the Spirit of God, just like those in the book of Acts. And you know the one common denominator? Everyone wishes they would have experienced it sooner. Nobody has ever said, I wish I would have waited a few weeks. I wish I would have waited a few months. I wish I would have just lived my carnal, fleshly life and given myself completely on my deathbed to God. Every single individual from 12 to 94 has said, if I knew then what I know now, I would have repented sooner. I would have gotten my life together sooner. I would have entrusted him the Lover of my soul with all of me just a little bit sooner. And so it is that Naaman, not Naaman the leper, Naaman the one with the new life, Naaman the one that does not have to shout unclean, Naaman the one that does not have to fear never seeing his family again. Naming the one that does not have to go back home to a losing paddle. Now goes back to the prophet. He says, Sir, can I can I pay for this? I, I want to pay for this. I want to give you something monetary. And the prophet looks at him. And says, in this instance, you cannot, you cannot put a price on this. There is no dollar sign. There is no numerical figure. This is priceless. And Naaman says, if you will not take something from me. I'm going to ask something of you. Musicians, come. He says, I would like two mules loaded down with dirt. 
The dirt that he just despised. The dirt and the filth that he did not want to touch. I, I really want to, I do want to ask him when I get to heaven. I want to say, okay, bro, be real with me. How, how long did it take you? Because when I was preaching, I acted like it took a long time. But I think it took longer. We don't know. Did he camp out there? Did he stay there a few days? There was precedent for hesitation because we're human. Moses was getting ready to deliver. And Pharaoh said, no, no, let me have one more night with the frogs. I wonder how long it took Naaman. But now that dirt that he despised, that he hated, that he wanted to have social distancing from, is the very same dirt. And then he says, will you just, will you just let me have Two mules loaded down with dirt. That's just all I want. He said, I'm going back home to sacrifice. And I'm not going to sacrifice to the other little G gods. Because now I know there is a God in Israel. Do you remember? Do you remember? That moment that he was no longer a theory. He was no longer this, just the subject of a religious service and sermon. Do you remember the moment that he wasn't just a historical figure twisted by the opinions of a human? Do you remember when he wasn't just a flannel board figure in a Sunday school room? Do you remember the moment when it wasn't just the God that grandma serves and I'm thankful for the grandma that serves God? Do you remember when you knew my soul knoweth right well? I know that there is no other God like him. There is no other idol Drugs do not compare to Him. Money does not compare to Him. Social status does not compare to Him. Pleasure does not compare to Him. Naaman, you got a lot of trophies and you got a lot of medals. You got a lot of steps. You got a lot of victories. But when your soul, it did, when your soul is diminishing, Every other victory loses its glimmer. And Naaman said, now I know. Now I know. One commentator said, because Naaman could not stay in Israel, he decided to take Israel with him. And this is just how I see it in my mind's eye. Y'all pray for me. I'm not the sharpest pencil in the crayon box. But this is what I see in, in my head. I see 
Naaman, who was the leper. Now he's the leader again. He's leading those two mules back. And mules are sure-footed, but every time they step over a rock, every time they step around a hole, with each jolt, with each moment of the cadence and rhythm of their stride, I just see a little bit of dirt dropping from the bag. And maybe, just maybe, while they're heading back, they're leaving a trail. And maybe what you didn't know is that you as a parent, you as a spouse, you as a teenager, maybe what you didn't know is that you as an individual experiencing God was not just going to affect you individually. But Naaman's going to go back to his house. And Naaman's going to go back to his wife. And Naaman's going to go back to his children. And Naaman, can I, can I, can I just talk to somebody for just a moment? Everything that happens in this house has to make it and can make it to your house. My mom and dad came together, said it so many times. I just feel like saying it again. My, my mom was born in a house that was heaven on earth. My dad was born in a house that was hell on earth. But just because you go to church doesn't mean that you know God. And just because you've never been to church doesn't mean you can't know God. So my mom said, I'm going to give my babies what I, what I got. My dad said, I'm going to give my babies what I didn't get. And they came together and they made up in their mind. It doesn't matter the complacency that was in our house growing up. It doesn't matter the carnality that was in our house growing up. It doesn't matter the drugs. It doesn't matter the junk. It doesn't matter the hell. doesn't really matter the home that we were born into as much as it matters the home that we build and we're going to leave a trail we're going to leave a trail from the house of God to our house I believe you can get deliverance but deliverance always comes with a side of dirt you got to take it back to you. There's sanctuaries and there's stages and there's entertainment venues and there's religious programs. You can encounter. But when you go back home, nothing goes home with you. But in this house, you can experience something that goes back to yours. I, I, just, I, I want to encourage a mother, a father, a husband, a wife who is leading your family. You've been incomplete. 
You've had sin and junk come against you just like all of us. But you are raising your experience to match the word of God. And you're leaving a trail for somebody else. I'm done. I'm done. I think the Lord would like to confirm to somebody, would like to move on somebody. So would you stand with me to your feet? Would you lift your hands with me? And would you just begin to talk to that great God for just a moment? And as you talk to that great God, I I, I wonder if your feet would move you into the aisle. And I, I wonder if you would move from the aisle to the front. And I wonder if there'd be a 12-year-old, a 24-year-old, a, a 39-year-old, a 55-year-old, a 72-year-old. I wonder if there'd be a single parent. I, I wonder if there'd be a widow. I wonder if there'd be an elder. I, I wonder if there'd be a young child. I, I, I wonder I wonder if, there, if there's a name in this house that needs to be reminded that there's an answer. Maybe you're not Naaman, but maybe you're that slave girl. Maybe you're that servant who has a Naaman in your world. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. I want you to lift your hands all across this sanctuary. I want you to lift up your head. I want you to lift up your voice. Come on, you're in the house of God right now. You're in the house of God right now. Wholeness is here. In the name of Jesus. Wholeness is here. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, today is your day. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, today is your day. In the name of Jesus. If you've never asked the Lord to forgive you, today is your day. If you've never talked to the lover of your soul. Today is your day. In the name of Jesus, this is a house. Come on, that's beautiful. In your own way, reach out to Him. He is reaching for you. Today, He is squeezing your hand, confirming to you you're on a journey with Him. You're zigzagging towards your deliverance. This is another minister. This is another service. This is another Sunday to provoke you back. Full obedience. Nothing less for my marriage. Nothing less for my babies. Nothing less for my sanity. For my future. Come on, that's it. Come on, you're a lady of God. You're a man of God. I dare you. I dare you. I invite you. I implore you to lift up your hands, to open up your mouth, and talk to Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I need you, God. I cannot do this without you. Come on, that's it. 
You were meant for more than hollow religion. You were meant for more than just shallow tradition. The love of God wants to manifest in your brokenness. The love of God is calling you to arise again in the newness of life. new beginning a new beginning all things all things are becoming new I bring everything to breathe again it's time to live again as for me in my house we will serve the Lord completely fully holistically nothing less nothing less nothing less Right where you are, would you just lift your hands if they're not already lifted? Come on, there's such a sweet presence in this room. We're going to leave just a moment. We're going to come back tonight and God's going to do something wonderful. Right now, it's just you and Jesus. Wherever you're lacking, He brings provision. Wherever you failed, He brings restoration. This is not just a church. This is a house of mercy. This is a house of love and tender kindness. This is a house of transformation. It's going to go with you. It's going to go with you. Somebody's going to pray in their living room this week. Someone's going to have devotion in their bedroom. Somebody's going to feel the presence of God tangibly on your lunch break, in your car, throughout the week. Daddy, you got to take this with you. Mama, you got to take this with you. Elder, don't stop taking this with you. Yes. Yes. 